<laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, when Estian said, should we still preach? It was a very weak response. So I'm, I'm feeling very vulnerable now. I really am. But hang on, I must just do this quickly. Um, start. One minute, cheapest. It just disappears. So what I want to speak about this morning, and really I'll be, I'll be very quick, I promise. Like, you're going to take notes. Oh, hallelujah. We, we, we're doing that passage, you know, Acts 2.42 is our go-to passage. You know, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They didn't devote themselves to the apostles. We don't make the apostles above Jesus. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And apostles have a specific gift that they teach the church in a way that other people can't and don't. Because it's a gift from God for His church. Amen? So we're going to be quick and go through this. Are you with me? Okay, let's just pray. Father, thank you for your word. We know the word is the truth. And I pray as I share, Lord, what I've got on my heart, that you'll instruct us by your spirit. You'll encourage us. You'll motivate us. And we will feel refreshed and blessed when we leave this place today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the word devoted is a very strong word. It means this. A steadfast, single-minded fidelity to a certain course of action. Devoted. To continue doing something with intense effort. To persist obstinately in a task. To be constantly diligent. To be steadfastly attentive. That's what devoted means. And the Bible says they devoted themselves. They weren't coerced. They weren't persuaded. They weren't kicked in the blessed assurance to be devoted. They devoted themselves. Being devoted means that you have to get over your self-sensedness, centeredness, and your selfishness and place your concern, listen, on another person or one, whatever it is that you love. That's a devotion. Some people are devoted to running because they love it. There's nothing wrong with that, although the Bible does say it's of some value. I'm just adding that. <laughs> Sorry. Other people do other things. You do the thing you love because you're devoted to it. And these people got devoted to the apostles' teaching because they saw something that happened to them when they got born again. To be devoted means to cling to Jesus and steadfastly persevere with him. Out of love and gratitude, we express our dedication to him through three things. A passion to obey, a spirit of humility, and a servant heart. They devoted themselves, tells us, like I said, they weren't coerced, they weren't instructed, they weren't challenged, they, they were motivated because of love for Jesus and what he had done for them. Their motivation came from Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. This is where their motivation came from. On the day of Pentecost, suddenly, here's an expression you must remember, God takes a long time to do something suddenly. And when God does it suddenly, you forget how long it's been. Because it's so beautiful when he does it. They waited. They waited in the upper room. You remember? And suddenly, there was a sound 
like the rushing of a mighty wind. And that's what gave them their devotion. They, they understood this Jesus was who he claimed, is who he claimed to be. And they loved him because he rescued them out of the law that they were, sh they were shackled to and stuck under. So devotion doesn't come because Estian or me or Dimitri or whoever and Brian just... The worship, thank you, just bless you. I just, that, when we sing truth, that's what does it do to your heart? Come on, band. Oh, glory. Thank you, brother. Thank you for the band. Beautiful. They were moved by the Spirit. If you don't get moved or motivated by the Spirit to love something, it becomes a legalistic thing called religion. And you tick the box because you say, I'm now devoting myself to do something, which actually becomes a bit of a schlep eventually. But these people, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Because the apostles were teaching what? They were teaching what Jesus had spoken to them about. They had taken the teachings of Jesus and they were teaching. They were so thankful. Because the law is a killer, man. Who loves the law? Who loves? We've got to have the law. What does the law do? The law shows you you're a sinner. So the law had to be there to show people they're sinners. And then Jesus came. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. So the law is fulfilled. He's in me. I'm in him. I'm free. I'm devoted to him. Now my devotion to him is not 100% perfect all the time. But I want to be devoted to him because I want him to pour his life into me. I want that. Do you want that? That's the, that's the passion. The Lord always provides a pattern. God always gives us an understanding of what he wants us to do. He gives us a model or a pattern to build off. Boom. Moses got a pattern. I'm rushing. Moses got a pattern. So I'm doing well, five minutes. Moses got a pattern or a model from God to build the tabernacle. Ex Exodus 25, 9. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Verse 40. See to it that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. 26, 30. Set up the tabernacle according to the plan you are shown on the mountain. So dear old Mo... Went up on the mountain, 40 days, 40 days. Came down, what happened? They had misbehaved. You know what? He went back up, another 40 days, 80 days. God gave him a plan for the tabernacle, a tent. You're going to build, you make the tent, you're going to make it like this. Solomon was given instructions by his dad to build the temple. David had a download from God. He wanted to build the temple. David wanted to build the temple. And God said, no, no. You're not going to build it. Your son will build it. This is what it says. 1 Chronicles 28, 11 and 12. Then David gave his son, the Solomon, the plans of the portico for the temple, its buildings, its storerooms, its upper parts, its inner rooms, the place of atonement. He gave him the plans. Listen. Of all that the Spirit had put in his mind for the courts of the temple of the Lord and all the surrounding rooms for the treasuries, etc. And the next one, verse 
All this David said, I have in writing from the hand of the Lord upon me. And he gave me understanding in all the details of the plan. God gives plans. Now you might say this morning, geez, that wasn't planned. It was God's plan. Might not be our plan. God has plans for you. A famous, where is it found? Everybody knows it. The plans I have for you. God has plans. God's got plans for this congregation. He had plans for us this morning. So we want to go with what God has. But God has plans for the New Testament church. He's got plans for the New Testament church. The New Testament church got a Holy Ghost download of a pattern or a model for how Jesus wants his church to be. It was not going to be in a tent. It was not going to be in a building. It was going to be in people. Can you say amen? amen. We've got a crummy old hall that's got terrible acoustics. Thank you, Lord, for the people that did this and did all that. And make it look better. But he's in us. When we leave, he don't stay. He goes with us. Amen. In the temple and in the tabernacle, he stayed. So they all had to go to the temple and the tabernacle. And we come to the school hall. But we bring him with. He's not here to meet us. We come here to meet with each other and to meet with him. Amen. And Acts 2.42 is the verse. Acts 2.42 is the verse. Sorry, you don't have to put it up again. We all know it. Jesus was The foundation, the foundation for building this is found in Ephesians chapter 2. Here's the foundation. Sorry. Lauren. Consequently, because of, therefore, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. Say, so I'm not an alien anymore, <laughs> but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Jesus has taken you and he's adopted you into his family. Glorious. Then it says, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That's the foundation that Jesus wants his church to be built on. In the early days, they built it on that foundation with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. The expression of this model embraces various forms or designs. We've been called a body. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 5. We're a body, just as each one of us has a body. Many members and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we are many form one body and each member belongs. I didn't leave my left arm at home this morning because it was a bit numb from sleeping. I thought, no, I'll just dismantle you and leave you. You're no good for me. And I... Uh, we are together. My body's together. You might not think it, but I'm together. I'm all together. Every part does its work. I've even still got my appendix and my tonsils. I'm going to ask God, why did you give us appendix and tonsils if I can take them out? What did we get it for? What's the appendix for? It's an appendix. What's an appendix? A thing you don't need. It's an appendix. Why did we call it an appendix? Well, it just, why God? This little thing that causes so much trouble. 1 Corinthians 12. There's lots to say. I could go through it, but I won't read it. You can read it. The body. The body is a living thing. Looking, looking. Yeah, we're all alive. Hallelujah. The church is an organism. It's not an organization. It doesn't have an organogram. Andrew Silly, CEO. 
There are many Christians who are CEOs. They're Christmas, Easter, and sometimes other times. <laughs> CEOs. They come at Christmas, at Easter, and once or twice other times. <laughs> CEOs. The bodies, <laughs> it's about, <laughs> you remember that, you remember? It's about people. It's about us, the body. That's what he's talking about, us being built together. In harmony, we're involved. There's variety. Look at me. Thank God there's no one else like me. I'm sorry, I knew you'd say that, Emil. Nobody else has got my fingerprint. I'm unique. There's no one else like you. But that's how Jesus puts us together. It's called a body. He's called, he's called, there's variety. Jesus is the head, but we're all different. We've all got a little gift. We've all got a part to play. We're called a bride. Sorry, guys. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, submit to one another. Listen, this is the start of the husband and wife's thing. Submit to one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to your husband. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Keep going. Just run it through to where it gets the, uh, a bride. Where does it Just keep going. 25. Husbands, keep going. Uh, wait, another one? Oh, no, no, wait, wait, a few kisses. There it is, there it is, hallelujah. Profound mystery, no, is it? Become united. Well, when you became united, you got married. Isn't that so? I don't know why that scripture's not clear. But you know, you can, we're going to marry him one day. We, are, we did marry him. Where's Haman? Here you are. Are you happy with that? We married? We're not married. We're going to be married. Sorry? You'll discuss it with me. You've discussed it with me before. But he's our bridegroom. And we are being prepared. We're a bride. Sorry, guys. But we're waiting for our bridegroom. Revelation 21.2 speaks about as well. It said, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, come, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed. On that day. Oh, on that day. That's our hope. It's again, it's people, it's living, it's purity, it's holiness, it's being set apart. It's a love relationship with a bridegroom who's Jesus. That's what Jesus calls his church. We call it a family. Ephesians 2.19. It's called, you're no longer following, but fellow citizens, with God's people, members, remember you, I belong to you, you belong to me. Sorry, forever you're going to have me in heaven. So you can leave here, but one day we'll see you again. I'm here, bro. I'm here forever. How long is eternity? It's long, eh? You know, this life, if you draw a line from there to there, you call that eternity across there. This is, this is your life in the line. It's like a burp, and it's done. But forever, 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 we're going to be together. We, we are, we're a family. We call it, family's about people. It's openness. It's settling differences. It's loving. It's caring. It's showing tenderness. We call it a building. The church is called a building. What, Ephesians 2.21, it says, In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. It's not a building 
We call the building. We are joined together in Him and we rise to be like a temple. Because the more people that get saved, the more the temple gets built. Hallelujah. And people will see it. It is like a city set on a hill. Don't hide your lamp. One of the young people said they had a word. When I said, you got words, we prayed for them. Yeah, don't hide your, your, your light under a lamp, a, a bushel or a basket. No, you must shine. That's what God wants the church to be. 1 Peter 2, verse 4 and 5. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by men but chosen by God, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. It's incredible what God is doing. And verse 9 and 10. But you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. We're being built together. And buildings of stones. You remember Ross used the analogy with bricks and stones? Stones have to get chipped to get fitted in. And if you were a stone, I was going to say if you're a rock, but no, if you're a stone and you don't fit, God chips away at you to shape you, to fit you into what he's building. And sometimes it's a bit ana. Can you say amen? We don't like that. But God wants to shape you to be what he wants you to be. He wants to shape you. Being shaped to fit because we are being built together as spiritual us. That's why we want to be obedient to Acts 2.42. Because that's what we want the church to look like. Because that's what Jesus wants his church to look like. That's why we devote ourselves. If we don't have the apostles' teaching. Now, let me just qualify what I'm going to say. I'm not knocking other churches. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm telling you a truth. I'm not saying we right, they wrong. I'm going to say to you, if we don't have apostolic teaching, then we become this kind of church. We become what I call a lecture hall model. Or we become a corporation. Or we become a theater model or we become a social model. Because it's inherent in the hearts of people to drift away from the things that God has called them to walk in. Now you all look at me as if to say, I've never drifted. <laughs> Tell the truth, you're in church. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm, pre I'm not preaching now, I'm telling the truth. We drift. And we need men who have been gifted by God to keep coming, to pull us back, to get us onto the right path that God wants for us. Let me explain to you. Our hearts begin to drift into other models. And in and our minds, the same drift happens, and we begin to doubt what we're in. Because we drift. Exactly what the enemy wants you to do. Because just like in the garden, he said, did God really say? Doubt. Did God really say? Let me explain to you what I mean by these models. You drift away from family. You drift away from community. You go to where you can be a spectator and not a participator. You see, Jesus wants every member of the body, every individual member of the body to work just like every member works. My heart works amazingly now because I've got four stents in it. You can call me the bionic bishop if you like. But, 
but my heart works, my lungs work, my liver works, my arms work. I can see you, I can hear you, I can talk, I spit a bit when I get excited. Everything works, sorry if I, I never spat on anybody intentionally, but you know what, everything works, my legs work, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I, amen. And God wants the body to be like that. And if we drift, part of the body becomes a bit lame. We need a crutch because old so-and-so is not here. And they were, they were filling a specific thing. Do you know what I'm saying? If we become a lecture hall, what, is it, what do I mean by lecture hall? This is what I mean. The word is expounded there. Very little spontaneity though. Very little family feel. Very little body ministry like we had this morning. And the congregation is like an audience. All they're expected to do is sit and take notes. Brother, you're not taking notes. I'm disappointed. That's, you got, that's what a lecture hall is. You come, there's no expectation of anything except a good word. Now, I'm not knocking that. But God wants more than that for his church. God wants more than that for his church. It's like our friend said, it's, it's good. It's biblical. It's solid. It's, but it's dry. It's like a savannah. It's dry, but you can drink it. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with it, but I would prefer to have some other drink. You know what I'm saying? Are you with me? The corporation. You get corporations, and they have organograms. Senior pastor. Associate pastor. Now, I went to one in America. It started with a senior leading elder. His wife was the senior lady elder. Then the second guy was the leading, not the senior, the leading elder, and his wife was the leading. I mean, it's like, it's a corporation. It's a business. The, the church is not an organization. It's an organism. It, this is what happens this morning. We're going to preach. Jeffrey's going to preach. No, you're not. I want to come and mess it up for you. That's what God says. I said, God, why do you mess it up? He said, because I like to. Because it's worth messing up sometimes. We hear the word of the Lord. I heard it in, in, the, oh, in the worship. I felt God say to me, you won't preach. God, you know how long I took to prepare. I even prepared on Saturday. You won't. Thank you very much. Now I am preaching. Hallelujah. It's a corporation. Highly organized, highly programmed, super efficient. Choirs, programs, lights, smoke machines, big band, senior pastor. Little room for ministry. And even the work of the Spirit, like a show, you go and sit and you get entertained. It all happens up there. Because the man, God does not want that for his church. He wants a body. There's the theater where the drama of the sacraments are enacted by the professionals, the priests. Again, an audience mentality. There they are. I'm, I'm not knocking it. But God doesn't want that. You see, churches today are run on constitutions and not the Word of God. No, the Constitution says, listen to me, if the Constitution runs the church, it's, yeah, it's got troubles. It's got troubles. I went to a funeral once in one of these churches where, you know, the guys dress up like mother and then you call them father. You know, that robes and he he had this sorry if you're excellent I'm not knocking it and he had this thing with all the smoke 
What's it called? The incense. And frachtach, the thing went out. And I said to the guy sitting next to me, we're in trouble. He said, why? I said, Jesus has left the building. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? God doesn't want that. What is that? Somewhere traditionally it happened. And maybe when it started it was good. But it's become a tradition that we hold dear. We want to move the piano from there to there. Oh, the piano's been there for 30 years. Well, we want to move it. Oh, no, you can't move it. It's always been there. Listen, I'm a pillar in this church. Yeah, that's the problem. You're removable. We've got to change with how God changes us. That's what. Then you've got the social model. We, you have fellowship, very little spirituality, and we worry about the poor more than we worry about Jesus and the gospel. We must. Jesus said the poor will always be with you. We do care for the poor. But it's first the gospel. Can you say amen? That's where we drift if we don't have apostolic teaching and input. Now, let me explain to you. The, the Ephesians 4 gifts, Ephesians 4.12, are the apostle. We have a prophet. We're getting an evangelist. He's a 4.12 evangelist. The oak sneezes and people get saved. It's unfair. But it's a gift. I prepare, I preach my heart out, make an appeal, and everybody sits there. Not one. He comes and he says a few words, come forward. People rush at him. There there were no unsaved people in there when I preached. When he preached, they're all unsaved. The difference between an evangelist and a pastor is this. These two guys, evangelist and pastor, went bear hunting. Have you heard the story? And they went into the forest, and there was a little cabin. And they arrived at the cabin. Nobody had been there for a while, but dusty and dirty. And they went inside, and the pastor opened the curtains and started cleaning up and putting things down, taking the food out. And the evangelist said, Rue, I'm going to go look for a bear. He said, okay, sure, off you go. And he cleaned up and sorted out, made everything nice. That's what pastors do to make it nice. And 10 minutes later, he heard this shouting, open the door. And he looked out the window and here comes the evangelist running for his life with a bear on his tail. So the pastor panics. What am I getting? What do I open the door? Open the door. Okay, what I'll do is I'll open the door, and as the evangelist comes through, I'll shut the door and shut the bear out. Nothing wrong. He's got it all worked out. He's waiting, timing, going to be perfect. And the evangelist runs through the door, and the pastor's going to close. And the evangelist grabs the door, and the bear comes skidding into this little cabin, and the pastor freaks. And the evangelist runs out the door, and he says, You look after him. I'm going to go fetch his friend. That's the difference between evangelists and pastors. Pastors want to keep their little flock. Don't make trouble. I don't want, I don't want evangelists. I've got enough problems. And the prophetic guys, oh God, help me. They come and just stir things up. They say things which I, I thought I knew and I didn't know. Now the people have got issues and I've got to deal with it. That's why pastors don't like prophets. Don't, don't bring prophets. You, you want to what? I want to prophesy. Are you sure it's God? Yeah, I think so. Are you very sure? Yeah. What is it? I don't think it's God. No, no, I feel it is God. That's what pastors do because prophets cause problems. <laughs> teachers, teachers, they teach and they teach. And pastors, I'm pastor, I can't teach. They teach and they, there's a teacher and they teach. You, some of you are teachers. Dot all the I's, cross all the T's. You ask them, they used to be in the bay. I'd go down to rabbit trails. I'd get back into the car. My wife would say to me, darling, please stick to the point. 
I didn't know where you went to some of the time. But I said, no, did I. But it was fun. It's like, it's like the couple going on holiday. She said, I'm going to navigate. I, I, he said, are you sure? She said, I can do this. After driving for six hours, he says, darling, we lost. She says, it's okay, we're doing good time. That's what evangelists and prophetic guys are like for pastors. It's a bit of a mess. Yeah, but we're doing good time. It's fine. But we are, it doesn't matter. We'll find someone there. It doesn't matter. Wherever we are, we'll find them. And they are all gifts to the church. God has given those gifts to the church to build it up. You don't find those gifts in the lecture hall model or the corporation or the theater or the social model. But you find them in the model that God has ordained for his church. And sometimes it's messy. Do you think we know what we're doing? We just look like we know what we're doing. He says, what do we do now? I said, I don't know. Don't ask me, ask God, bro. This is me meeting. You see what I'm saying? All these gifts, but the apostle has a unique role in those gifts. The apostle, I said to you, we don't. We don't idolize the apostle, the impossible, the apostle, the apostle. We get devoted to the teaching of the apostle. Have you ever sat in a meeting and an apostle preaches and you think, I know that, but I've never heard that. But I do know it. You think, like, I should know that. Why don't I know that? Because you're not an apostle, you Wally. You're just a saint. God has gifted these men to say things and you think, oh my word, of course. I get it. Jeez, I'm done well. 29 minutes. This is amazing. I'm nearly done. I'm going to land. I'm going to land. Apostles have a unique... They help make room for these other ministries. Because they've got a gift from God. Who's Andrew Selly? He's Andrew Selly. We don't... Apostle Andrew. No, no, brother. It's a gift from God. You ask him, he'll tell you. That's why we don't go to him and say, Oh, Apostle Andrew. He's Andrew. That's why in churches, if it's God, tell him we're nearly done. <laughs> it's a call from East London. Is it? Oh, I'm just checking. Okay. <laughs> the apostle open. That's why we don't have titles. We don't have titles. I went to a meeting once and there was seriously evangelist so-and-so, prophet so-and-so, apostle so-and-so, teacher so-and-so. John, Paul, George and Ringer. I said, no, I didn't call him apostle, I said John, George, Paul, Ringer. The only four names I could think of. If you don't know them, they're the Beatles. Okay? In my day, the Beatles were famous. But, but everybody wants a title. Nobody needs a title. You're just part of a body with a gift from God. So what do I devote myself to? Why do I devote myself to the apostles' teaching? Because it's good for me. It teaches me what I don't know. It leads me to where I've never been. It takes me into places that I, I'm nervous to go, but when I go and I find it, I find refreshing and fulfillment. That's why I get devoted. I'm going to devote myself to the apostles' teaching. You say, but there are teachers in this fourfold ministry. There are. There are. And they teach far better than I can. 
But the apostle opens the door for that person. The apostle opens the door for the prophetic and the evangelist. Andrew opens the door for this guy. What's his name? Jonathan Conrad. There's a guy down in the Musenberg congregation. He's a friend of mine, Andre Bluchnot. He had something wrong with his heart. They actually said, we can't even give you a heart transplant. That's how bad your heart is. In other words, they were saying, dead man walking, you're going to die. Went to a Jonathan Conrad meeting. Jonathan didn't even pray for them, for him. And when he got prayed for, this is what he said to me. He's written a book, actually. He said, I felt, you know, like those Emmaus Road to, they said our hearts were strangely warmed. He said he felt physical heat in his heart. And he said to his wife, now, I don't know if doctors, there's a, there's a number they put on your heart. It should be like 48 or something, whatever. His was like in single figures. He was a dead man. He said to his wife, we've got to go back to the doctor. Because God healed me tonight. Went back to the doctor. The doctor said, gee, what happened here? He said, why? He said, it's up to 30. He's living. He's, he's healed. He's walking the place. Why? Because an evangelist came. Why can't we get that? Because you're not an evangelist. Some young guy said, I'm an evangelist. How many people you led to the Lord this year? None. You're not an evangelist. Well, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to work that out. Evangelists lead people to Christ. I'm a prophet. Oh, yeah? What have you prophesied about? The world's in a mess. Yeah, we don't have to be a prophet to know that. But, eh? Every, everyone knows that. Apostles are a gift from God. I'll end with this. 33 minutes. Two more minutes. You with me? You're still awake? Okay. They make sure churches are planted on solid foundation. That's what apostles do. They save us from taking shortcuts when elders get appointed. Do you know how difficult it is to unappoint somebody you've put in an appointed place of... Ooh, ooh, I think they're an elder. The apostle comes, interview. Uh, I think what? How do you know that? Because I'm an apostle. I have a gift from God. They save us from making foolish decisions. I'm, 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 I'm going to go plant a church in Plett, Plinburg Bay. There's a church there. I'm going to go help them. Go to the apostle. I feel God. Uh, no, we want you here. Oh. Re- really? Yeah. Oh, well, that settles that then, isn't it? I really thought, yeah, well, I don't care what you thought. No, he doesn't say that. But he helps us not make foolish decisions, the apostles. And we haven't just got one, we've got a team. They keep us from trying to fit square pegs into round holes. Do you know how difficult that is? You've got to shape the peg, bro. Poor oak, poor girl that you're trying to squeeze into. No, you don't do that. They save us from getting burnout. Andrew has led this thing for 20 years. You know what pressure there is. You know what pressure. You know how nice leading a church is. When you stand up in front and you look at you, and Jesus said, you are the hope of the world. And I'm looking at you, and I'm saying, Jesus, you are amazing. Because I know them. (laughs) And Jesus says, I know them better than you. And I still trust them. They... Help us to stop burnout. Burnout is this, a disease of the overcommitted who refuse to come to terms with their limitations. That's pastors. How many pastors burn out? 
How many pastors burn out? So many. So many. If you've got an apostolic obsidian, you need to take some leave. Look what happened with some of our guys in our movement. Brother, three months. What? You're on leave. Am I? Yes, you are. Oh, why? You're going to burn out. He looks after them because he's got a gift from God that helps them. They help us keep a balanced diet of sound biblical doctrine. You know when Andrew preached about being slaves? Remember the word? Oh, gee. Slave, eh? It's like, I know that, but it's like revelation, even if I do know it. They do that. They keep, they keep us having a balance. They keep us outwardly focused. Pastors, oh, bless pastors, that's me. They wanted to take the best people I had in my church. They, I said, no, but he's my best worship leader. Yeah, you must give away your best. No, you can have him. Why? Because, well, no, 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 you can't. No, we want to keep, but I've got to give to gain. Because it's better to give than to receive. And the apostles teach us that. That's why Ross is gone. Sorry, Estian. He's the best that he could find. You go there, bro. But I'm not finished in Weinberg. No, you're finished for now. You, this man will step up. And you know what? He'll step into his shoes. He won't be Ross. He'll be Estian. I said to Estian, don't be Ross. Be you, because everybody else is taken. You, you can't be... You can only be you. I try to be someone else. I listen to preaching. I don't want to preach like that. And then God said, no, you Wally. You can only be you because everybody else has been taken. The apostles help us. They keep our, they help heal hurts that cause divisions. They help heal hurts that cause divisions. They challenge us to have a prophetic vision. They help us build governmentally. That's why the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Why do I devote myself? Because it's for the blessing and the welfare and the health of God's church to help us grow into everything that he has for us. Can you say amen? Amen. May Stuarius 8. Sorry, that was 37 minutes, 47 seconds. Let's pray. You've been very, very kind. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for the gifts you give your church. Thank you for the apostolic teaching. Thank you for the apostles. Thank you for the evangelists. Thank you for the gift they have. Thank you for the, the prophets, the prophetic people. Thank you for the teachers. Thank you for the pastors. We bless you, Lord. You gave us the pattern. You said, that's how I want you to build. And help us, Lord, to follow hard, to, to, to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. Because in the end, Lord, it's always for our benefit. As difficult as it sometimes is, Jesus, we pray, give us grace, much grace, to say a yes and an amen when the apostles call us to do something. Like when Andrew said, guys, read the Bible. People say, oh, Lord, read the Bible. No, just he saw something. He sees something. And, Lord, you showed him something for our benefit, for our good, to read the word, the word, the word. Speak to our hearts. Part us with your blessing today, Lord, I pray. Let us know without any shadow of a doubt that we can get devoted to the apostles' teaching because it will do us good. We praise, we bless you, and we say thank you in the name that is above every other name, the name at which we gladly bow and gladly confess now, the name of Jesus. And everybody agreed and said, Amen.
God bless you. Have a wonderful day.